0: Well, good evening. It's great to see everybody here. And I'm so excited that we're continuing part four of the series, The Search. And uh, tonight we're dealing with this question, uh, why the church? And you might be like, why in the world are we talking about that? And you might have never thought about that question before. In fact, for the first week, we, we looked at uh, in the series, who is God? That's a pretty pretty important question to answer in life, who is God? And then we looked at the second week, who are you or who am I? Um, And so we were talking about your identity and who you are in Christ. That's what we're really trying to focus on, your foundation in that. We sang about that tonight in Cornerstone. And then uh, last week, we uh, looked at a big question that everybody asks at some point in life is, Why am I here? Why am I here? And we talked about the pursuit of God and you knowing God and how important it is for you to get on that journey in life. Your life would glorify him by you getting to know God and pursue him. And uh, tonight we're looking at this question, why the church? And i am got to be honest with you, um, we're just going to go dive in with this question tonight and with the answer, but I just want to say, if you were to like survey people all over the world, this question probably wouldn't get in their top 10. And as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, you've probably never thought about this question before, and I'll be totally transparent with you. I did not think about this question when I was your age. It wasn't until I was about 22, 23, 24 that, I, that God like really convicted me about this question. So I'm taking a risk tonight here at the living room, and I realize that. But I want to tell you that the risk I'm taking tonight is so important to take because this the answer to this question is so important for you and to figure out um, exactly what God has created you for and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life that he has a calling on your life, that he has amazing things that he wants to do in and through you. And it's wrapped up in the answer to this question. So we're going to dive in and I'm going to tell you what I want you to know tonight. It's not going to be a normal talk. OK, I'm just going to tell you what I want you to know. And then at the end of the night, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. So this is what I want you to know, okay? We're, we're just going to dive in. I don't know if I have you with me, by the way. That worship was incredible, by the way. That was incredible. It's always, yeah, the band is amazing. They're not done yet, so that's that's the good news. There's a great ending coming, and um, it's great to have Jessica on uh, the cello. That's awesome to have that. I wish we could have that here. Yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff. So anyway, but we have a, a, a great night ahead, and we have a lot of important stuff to cover, and this is what I want you to know, okay? The first thing I want you to know is that the church is beautiful. The church is Beautiful. And you're like, really? Okay, we're going to talk about that. But the church is beautiful, okay? Second thing I want you to know is that your generation, millennials, are leaving the church. You're not shocked by that. Your generation is leaving the church. And then finally, the third thing I want you to know is that you've been given a gift for the church. You have been given a gift for the church. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift by God for the church. Every single one of you. And we're going to talk about that. Okay, so we're just going to dive in. The church is beautiful because I'm like, what does that mean? The church is beautiful, okay? And um, before I go any further, though, before we dive into that, I just need to tell you, if you're here tonight and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, first of all, I want to say we are so glad you're here. Seriously, we created this church for you. We thought of you when when we built this building. I'm not kidding you that this thing was created for you because we are about leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know any the most important thing I want you to hear from me tonight. If you don't know Jesus is that you're welcome here. And we long we want you to come week after week. And and we hope that your journey here will allow you to come to know God, because that's so important. Secondly, if you're not a Christian, the thing I want you to do, because you might, like, you've already heard me sort of the intro to this talk. You're like, boring, okay? Get the band back up there. That was pretty cool. Let's bring the rapper back. That was really cool. <laughs> you know, and I get that. Okay, but here's the thing I want to say. I want you to listen to tonight because I think if you are ever wondered about Christianity or if you've ever wondered about the church and maybe why the church does certain things or maybe why it's not as, as great as you think it might be or should be, then I hope you'll find the answer to that tonight. And I hope in some way that if you'll pay attention through the whole way through, that you'll see that Christianity has a purpose, that it's real, and that God is doing something through Christians all over the world. So, anyway, that's that's the first thing. And the second thing I want to I say just about my college experience really quick is that when I was in college, when I was your age, I didn't think about the church because all I wanted to do was know Jesus. I just wanted to know Jesus. And I was selfish about knowing Jesus. I'll just say that right now. I would like go to events like the living room and I would go by myself. I wouldn't invite my friends. That is a terrible idea. But I would just go by myself because I didn't want my friends to distract me in worship. Okay, that's really, really selfish and really, really immature. Okay, but I was like, ah, the spiritual thing would be for me to be alone and just be me and God. Okay, that's not cool. Okay, but I wasn't, I just wanted to know Jesus in college. But I didn't know that Jesus was all about the church. I didn't understand that when I was your age. And so in this passage, we're going to see why he's all about the church. And I hope you'll dive in with me. So the church is beautiful. That's what I'm trying to get you to know right now. And we're going to dive into Ephesians 5:25 through 32. This is a great passage, um, that people use in weddings all the time, but uh, ladies don't freak out. I'm not trying to teach you to submit to your husband right now. So Ephesians 5:25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, this is the part I want you to know. In the first part of the verses, we won't go back to that. But it said that Christ laid down his life, basically gave up his life for the church. Okay? It's like, for the church? What's that about? No, for, for you. He gave up his life for you. And, and the reason he did that was he wanted to present the church, which is you, by the way, to himself as a radiant church. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And I was trying to just sum up what what that is. What does that say? Well, I, I think that says just in my own terminology that the church is beautiful Because Jesus laid down his life for people who are the church. And he did it to present the church to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. Keep going. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. We're not going to get into that tonight. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all... No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Which I just will say, this is not in the notes, and this is not what I was supposed to talk about. But but I think it's interesting. This is, after all, no one ever hated their own body. But have you ever known someone to complain or critique or criticize their church? One person's with me. I like it. But seriously, I mean, have you heard people? I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've, I've walked out of a service before and been like, that wasn't that good. Really? What, what was that about? I mean, that, that closing at the, at the end with the preacher, the applic was, there was no application there, you know, and I, critiquing the church. He says, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are a member of the body of Christ, the church. Keep going. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Another interesting topic that we should talk about at some point, but we're not going to talk about that tonight. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. And I think this is where we miss this passage and we use it in weddings all the time. And I think there's tons of truth in it for weddings. I'm not saying anything about that. But what the amazing part of this passage that we miss is the profound mystery is not that that a man and a woman would come together in one flesh. It's that Jesus Christ and the church, the people of God would come together as one. And see, we are members of his body. And so this is the thing I want you to know. Is that the church is beautiful because we're members of the body of Christ. We're one with Him, and He is the head of the church. He is the leader. He is the leader of the church, and He's perfect. But I have a question for you Do you believe the church is beautiful? Do you really believe the church is beautiful? I mean, have you walked out of the service and gone, I don't like that place? Have you had an experience that would make you think, man, the church isn't that great? And I just am, I'm arguing tonight that I think there's something missing from the church. I'm not saying there's anything missing with Jesus Christ. I want to be clear, but I think that there's something missing from the church. That's where we're going tonight. Part two. Second thing I want you to know. Your generation is leaving the church. Your generation is leaving the church in great numbers. This is no surprise. This isn't anything new. Most college students leave the church. It's historical fact. It's the same, but your generation is leaving in numbers like never before. And the way I want to explain this is we're going to watch a video in just a moment. And this video is going to get real technical. I realize that, but to explain the problem part of the problem. I wanted to use this video because I think it would sum up the problem so much quicker than I could I try to convince you of it. And it's going to be, it's way better than me speaking to you as a talking head. But this, this group is, uh, who put this together is called the Barna Research Group. And they basically are like church statisticians. Okay. That's what they are. And they do an incredible job of documenting and researching. And they've been doing a study on your generation. From 2007 to 2012. And the summation of this study is, is kind of put in this book. I mean, in this video. And there's a book out if you want to get more information about what we're talking about tonight, um, by David Kinneman. And the book is called You Lost Me. You Lost Me. It's the sequel to a book called Unchristian, if you've ever seen that in bookstores. But You Lost Me is the new book on this. And we're going to watch this video and it's going to tell you about your generation leaving the church so here's the video let's pl- roll that you might
1: have noticed that here in America there's one group that's not nearly as involved or engaged in the church as other age groups 18 to 29 year olds we call this generation the mosaics and for most churches this is a demographic black hole just how big of a black hole get this 59% of mosaics with a Christian background drop out of church after attending regularly as a teenager now on the surface this doesn't seem like a new problem and in some respects It isn't. People in this age group have left the church in droves for decades, but historically, many come back. If you think that's going to happen with today's generation, think again. Today's young adults are very different from their counterparts of the past. A lot of them are rethinking the major things in life. Stuff like whether or not marriage is still necessary, or if the church really matters. What's strange is, the majority of these dropouts actually still consider themselves Christians. They're big fans of Jesus, just not the church. Every mosaic has their own unique reason for leaving the church. But ultimately, they all point their fingers at the Christian community, and what they're saying is, you lost me. Now, hold on, you lost me? Isn't that a little harsh? Well, maybe, but what a person really means when they say that to someone is, you're not making sense to me. Research from our team at Varna shows that millions of mosaics don't feel like they can ask their most pressing life questions in church. So it's no wonder they turn to technology, pop culture, and their peers for answers. With all of the resources on the internet, young people have access to answers to lots of things, important and trivial. And some of the answers seem to make sense. But just because something makes sense, it doesn't mean it's the truth. Naturally, all that conflicting information leads to more questions and more confusion. These wandering souls are viewing the world through a distorted lens. They need the wisdom of the church to help them see things through the lens of faith. But they can't even see that. What we need is real dialogue and real answers to the questions that all too often just get swept under the rug. It means we stop ignoring the elephant in the room, roll up our sleeves, and seriously address the tough questions about science, sexuality, culture, and lifestyle. Let's be careful not to judge them too quickly and give our young Christians the tools they need to cope with the modern world. We need to teach them to be discerning in today's culture, to be influential among their peers as followers of Christ. Today's changing world is a tough place to live faithfully as a Christian at any age. But if we're going to change the world together, we can't afford to let another young person say, you lost me.
0: That's great stuff, and it's true. And I really believe that we can change the world together. But the thing I want you to get because you you might have missed it just because it's a statistic, and I know it's dangerous as a speaker to like use statistics uh, to like get you to inspire you, but I just want you to think about this number, okay the number that they said was fifty nine percent of the group of the group that actually follows Christ right now, so eighteen to twenty nine year olds that at some point in time were following Christ that's about twenty five percent of, of our nation, by the way, not the 18 to 25, but 25 percent of the followers of Christ in this age group, um, they will, 59 percent of that 25 percent will leave the church. And you're like, okay, you're not making any sense. You're just spitting out numbers. Okay, so here's what the number comes out to be. Eight million people over the next 10 years will leave the church. Eight million people And, and you heard it. We don't know if they'll come back. Usually marriage brings people back. Usually kids brings people back. But that's happening later for people and it's not happening as much as it used to happen. And so we don't know, researchers don't know what's going to bring you back. What's going to bring your generation back to the church. But here's the thing. It's not, that's not the problem that people are leaving the church. And that's what I don't want you to hear tonight. There's a greater problem. And, and the greater problem is that we, meaning pastors, as leaders in the church, have done a terrible job of communicating to you the purpose of the church. And uh, how many of you, just out of curiosity went to a North Point Church campus, either Buckhead Church, or did you hear yesterday's sermon from Andy Stanley yesterday? Show of hands you heard. That, that's cool. Okay, if you didn't, I really want you to go hear this message, because I was so fired up, and I was like, I, I, this message was so good. Andy's always great. If you haven't heard our pastor, I love our pastor. He's an amazing, amazing communicator, and uh, the sermon was over yesterday. I walked up to the fourth floor offices. I ran into Kristen I said, Kristen, I think we should just play Andy's message at the living room tomorrow night, because he's saying everything. Thing that i want to say i mean this is this is incredible and this has not like been the first time that this happens um i usually leave many of his sermons and i'm like we should just play it at the living room it's going to be way better than what i have to say but this is the the reality of what he said and this is just something that he said that was incredible but he talked about how we've um done a terrible job of translating of translating uh, the bible and specifically when it comes to the church so i don't know if we put the starting point series.com uh thing but you can go watch yesterday's sermon if you go to starting dot com. starting point series.com it's uh the message is number eight it's the last one in the series so go check that out but yesterday he talked about the tragedy of translation so we're going to put this up and the word for church is ecclesia. if, if you heard it you remember this and ecclesia. um It really means gathering, assembly, or congregation. That's what the word church means in the original language. It means gathering, assembly, congregation. And the tragedy of the, of the translation was, um, when it got translated into English, a German word got put in there and that word is church. Okay. And that means building. It doesn't mean gathering, assembly, or congregation. And so here's the problem with that in the English language is that most of us grow up and we think of the church and we always think of the church as a location or a building. And we don't think of it as a gathering of people. And we've got to change our mindset because there is a significant purpose for the gathering of people. And there's a significant purpose for every single person who shows up and gathers as the church. And you got to understand that. And we have failed as leaders to define that for you and to define that for the generation before you, Gen X. Just in case you were wondering, millennials out there, I know you were wondering about that. You can also be called Gen Y. I know you're excited about that, but millennials is way cooler than Gen Y. Because Gen Y is like Gen Y, like what in the world? But all the generations in this country have, have not figured that out. That the church is really a gathering of people and that there's a specific purpose for every single person that's involved in it. And when when 8 million people leave the church, they're missing out on something that God has intended for them. And that, that's what I want you to understand. And the third thing I want you to know tonight is that you've been given a gift for the church. If you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Here comes deep theology without scripture, which is dangerous, I realize, but we don't have time to go through a whole seminary class to explain this, okay? But when you put your faith in Christ, you receive God through the Holy Spirit into your life. And he seals you with the potential and power of God in your life that gives you a gift, a spiritual gift, or multiple gifts. And every single person that's a member of the body of Christ, a member of the people of God, has a gift for the people of God. Here comes the scripture you need to know. First. Peter 4 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. It's faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. It's not anything that you were born with. This isn't something that you woke up with one day and you were like, hey, I'm really strong. I'm a great athlete. This isn't genetics. This is from God. This is God's genetics sealed in you. That's the beautiful thing about the term being reborn. That when you awaken, when your life became spiritually alive, you got something in that birth. And it's a beautiful thing. And you received a gift from God. And you're like, well, what is it? Well, I don't know what it is for you. That's what's so beautiful. ...about what we're talking about tonight. When uh, I was in grad school, I had the privilege of going to um, England for two weeks... ...to take this class with a church planning professor. And he was from America, but he was teaching these leaders in England. And so I got to spend two weeks with him traveling around. And while I was with him, we went to this church in Liverpool, England, called Frontline. And I'd never seen a church like this before. I'd never been around a church like this. They were highly charismatic, and which was really, really cool because I didn't have much experience around a charismatic church. And what I mean by that is they were crazy for Jesus. That's what I mean by, by that. I mean, they were absolutely crazy. I'm talking like dancing crazy for Jesus, hand-raising crazy for Jesus, um, just loving Jesus with everything that they got. But what was so cool about Frontline was it was in the heart of the city, and um, they were—they uh, had uh, taken this old parking garage, which you think parking garages like where we park gar- cars, but this was like an auto mechanics garage that that was like a big hangar, like an airplane hangar, but not that big, like a, just a car hangar type thing. And they had converted it into a, a church, and they were reaching out to the community like crazy. In their city. And when I got around them. I mean they had this amazing children's ministry. They called it kids club. Kind of like our kids stuff. But they would send a bus out. Into the community. And they would just pick up kids. And bring them back. Saturday afternoon. And they would take them through this program. And teach them about God. It was amazing. They would go out. They had a group of people. That would show up. At like 11 p.m. On Friday nights. And they would go out into the pubs. And minister to people. till four in the morning. And they would reach Like prostitutes and alcoholics and they would just make relationships with them and love on them and while i was there i discovered the statement from them that totally floored me and um it says this it says church is a many-membered body each member plays its part ministry is therefore not the responsibility of a few but the privilege of all Ministry is therefore not the responsibility of a few, but the privilege of all. And when I read that in their core values, I was like, everyone in this church gets it. Because so much in this country, we think ministry is all about the people that have the microphone. Or we think it's all about like the worship leader and the pastor. But we don't realize that, that ministry is for everyone. Everyone. That it is a privilege of everybody who follows Jesus Christ. And this church was amazing because they got it. And every member that came into their church, that joined their church, they understood. They weren't just going to sit down and hear a good sermon. That they were going to get their hands dirty and get involved and make a difference in their community. And they were going to be a light among the darkness. And that everyone was called to be a light in the darkness. And they saw it as a privilege to follow Christ and represent Christ in the city of Liverpool. And it was amazing. It was amazing to see and experience. I am like, they get it. This is what it's about. Everybody's supposed to be involved. Everybody has a part. Everybody has a role. And everybody is of equal value. Because without everybody, then they're not really the church. We're missing some gifts. We're missing some people. We're missing some people on the team. Let's keep going here. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. This is where we get the responsibility of a few in some ways. We misinterpret this passage I'm about to read. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. It was he who gave some to be apostles. <clears throat> some to be, if you're wondering like apostles, that means one who is sent. That could be missionaries. Uh, some to be prophets, truth tellers. That's what that is. Some to be evangelists, people that share the gospel. And some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service. So that's the responsibility of missionaries, of truth tellers, of people that share the gospel and pastors and teachers to prepare God's people. So that they could do works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. In the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature. Attaining to the whole measure. Of the fullness of Christ. Now keep it right there. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole thing. The reason that people have gifts. And these specific gifts. That they talk about. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. When those are exercised correctly. In the body of Christ. People are built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So the purpose of gifts is so that we can build up the body of Christ and see people become mature followers of him. attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's go on to the next verse. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. See, God has gifted each one of us. They have put our faith in Christ with a gift. And the reason that he's given you a gift is to help build up the body. The gathering of believers so that everyone would be mature and that they would grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So he's giving you a gift. He's giving you a gift and there's a reason for that. Yesterday Andy said this in his message, he said the church is the epicenter Of God's activity the church is the epicenter of God's activity And it's like the building no not the building the gathering of the people of God Is where God is at work. That's what he's saying The gathering of the people of God Is the epicenter of God's activity God's work So there's three things I wanted to say to you tonight. There's three things I wanted you to know. The first is that the church is beautiful. But I'd rather say it this way. God's gathering is beautiful. God's gathering is beautiful. Second thing, your generation is leaving the church. But your generation is leaving God's gathering. And we can talk about that. But they're leaving. They don't even know they're leaving God's gathering because they don't know it is the gathering of God's people, but they're leaving it. And you've been given a gift for the church. You have been given a gift for God's gathering. So there's something that I want you to do because you have been given a gift. I want you to figure it out. I want you to figure out what that gift is. Or multiple gifts. And I want you to figure out how to use it. Because right now, if you're not using it, it's missing from the body of Christ. And the one way I want you to do it is the volunteer. And this might sound self-serving, and I don't mean it to sound self-serving, because you're like, of course, you're the pastor. You're going to say volunteer. But... I'm going to explain why you should volunteer, but before I do, I'm going to let one of our students explain it to you through this video. This is Rob Morton, a Georgia Tech student, and he volunteers here at Wombaland. So let's roll that video. My name is Rob Morton.
2: Um, I'm a student at Georgia Tech, and I volunteer in Wombaland. So it's a lot of playing with kids. Um, we play with them for about half an hour. Um, Then we kind of take them to a big group room um, and they hear some music, they sing along. It's kind of like worship for the kids and then they have a message which is you know turn down lots of props for the kids. We have one topic every month that we go through and we play a lot of games that also kind of reinforce that topic. I work in the fours room, um, so it's four-year-olds and five-year-olds, so they turn five somewhere during the year. I think it's really important to be a part of the church, Um, a lot of people write off college students um, and they don't seem to make a huge impact is what people think in the actual church itself. Um, So I think it's really important to show them that college students are great volunteers
0: at it. So keep coming back because you love it. And that's true, yeah. <laughs> Rob, this is amazing about Rob. Rob, where are you? Are you in the room somewhere? You're hiding? Okay. He's in the very, very back. But um, he's sitting down hiding back there. But Rob has volunteered in Wombaland for seven years. So he's been doing this since high school. Amazing. Amazing. And um, in fact, uh, at the end of the night, if you want to sign up for volunteering anywhere, you're actually going to get to meet Rob because he handles all our volunteer coordinating. Okay, but if you're a student here and you volunteer in one of our ministries, whether it's Upstreet, you got Pajama Jam this past weekend, that was super cool, um, or you're at Transit or Inside Out, uh, right here, Avery and his whole crew. But if you volunteer, can you just stand up real quick? I want to see you vol- all you volunteers stand up. You guys are awesome. So, so yeah. So... Cool stuff. So if you want to volunteer and you're curious about these people and where they volunteer, go ask them what they're doing. You can have a seat. So, um, but here's the thing I want from you. Okay. This is not what I want from you. I want for you. Okay. I want you to volunteer. I want you to volunteer. Now you're like, of course you do. Listen, I'll be honest with you. We have plenty of volunteers in this church. In fact, if you want to volunteer with us, it's going to take you a while to, to get involved. Like, it might take you a whole year before we get you involved. I hope it can start in January for some of you, but you're going to have to, like, observe. They're going to have to get to know you. You're going to have to prove that you're not, you know, that you're going to be faithful and be there and all of that kind of stuff. But here's what I want for you, and this is why I want it. Is you're not going to, you've got to figure out how you're wired, and you've got to figure it out how you're gifted. And to be honest with you, I don't know how Rob Morton is gifted. But here's what I do know. I know he's passionate about little four-year-olds. He's passionate about four-year-olds. And he's figured out that his giftedness works really well with four-year-olds. And he's faithful. And that's why he's done it for seven years. And college is some of the greatest years that you could figure out how you're gifted. And to be honest with you, and Rob said it in the video, people don't have high expectations for you. Which I think is crazy. We have high expectations of our volunteers, but people don't have high expectations of you. And what's so crazy is that when you start proving their expectations wrong, they start giving you ownership of things. And I'm telling you, some of the students, in fact, some of our people are running this whole thing tonight. Some of our students are running this whole thing. They're making it happen because they've been faithful volunteers over the years. And I'm telling you, college is the greatest years that you can figure this out for you. i got to wrap up here, but let me just tell you some other reasons why this is important. The church is God's plan to carry out the Great Commission. You can come on, Trevor. This is great. The church is God's plan to carry out the Great Commission. I don't know if you know what the Great Commission is, but that's to go and make disciples in all the world. And God's plan from the very beginning was the church. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. And so you've got to decide if you want to be a part of the generation that's going to rise up and say, we love the church because the church is beautiful and we want to see and make a difference. And we want to carry out the Great Commission through the church because the church is the bride of Christ and she's awesome. And I want to be a part of her. And you, you can make a difference in that. And you don't have to do that at Buckhead Church. You don't have to do it at North Point or any one of our campuses. I want you to go to whatever church you want to go to. And I want you to show up and I want you to go to the leader and say, I'm here. I want to volunteer. I have a gift. I don't know what it is, but some crazy guy told me I had a gift and I'm here and I want to figure out what my gift is and I want to use it for the kingdom of God. And you can make a difference. Secondly, you've been invited to participate in God's plan. It's an invitation that's open to every single one of you. It's not exclusive. Every single one. that's, That's why ministry is the privilege of all. And finally, this is how you will grow and mature in all that Christ created you to be. And this is the reality. The reality is that you will never figure out What God intended for you until you figured out how he gifted you. And the 8 million students that are going to leave the church, they're never going to figure out. They're never going to be satisfied. They're never going to come to the full completion of what God has for them. Until they figure out how they're wired and what God put in them to make known his name in this earth. One of my favorite quotes is from a pastor in Chicago that's so influential. His name is Bill Hybels. It's why he shaped North Point and how we got here in Atlanta. And he says, the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And what he's saying in that moment is that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And the church, the gathering of God's people, is the representation of Jesus Christ in this earth. And to just be really honest with you tonight, America is getting cheated. They're getting cheated on what Jesus Christ is like. Jesus Christ has a terrible reputation in this country because the church hasn't done a good job of portraying who Jesus Christ is. And that's because... There is a generation, not just your generation, but my generation too, and my parents, the baby boomer generation as well. We have not embraced the local church with the gift that God has given us. And so I'm asking you, I'm just asking you and pleading with you, please, will you volunteer? Will you figure out how you're wired? And when you start serving so that you can know how God has gifted you and you can make a difference for the kingdom of God right here and right now for Jesus' name's sake? Let's pray together. God, I thank you tonight. I thank you tonight for these students and I thank you for each one that you have placed in them a gift for your name's sake. That you would use them to help them make you known in this earth. And God, I pray that we would embrace your church. I pray that we would come and figure out how you wired us. And that we would just begin to serve. That we would submit to your leadership and your calling on our lives. And that we would say... Yeah, we know why the church, because it was God's plan from the beginning that we would gather there and make you known and shine you brightly for your namesake in this earth. That people all over the world would come and see what you have done. Come to know what you have done through the church of Jesus Christ. So God, would you lead us To do that for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.